0: Today on The Hab Forum, the uh, Montreal Canadiens are playing exciting hockey in the last few days, and they keep losing. So I think for a lot of fans, that's not uh, necessarily a bad thing. There's lots of stuff to talk about since our last podcast. There's Pinal having a bit of a coming out party. Montabo keeps playing great. Kirby Doc almost taken over uh, as the number one center, at least for the month of January. We're going to talk about all that. Caulfield, of course, out for the year, unfortunately. Again, this year, a ton of injuries. Is this something we should start being concerned about? And of course, uh, we're going to talk about, as we always do, the Habs prospects, how they're doing at the end of the pod. Let's get right into it, Dustin. So January record, 5-8-1. and one. Canadians, if you look at winning percentage, are still 6th last in the league. Is pretty much where they've been for a while, down the same kind of range, kind of feels like that's where they're going to end up uh based on uh how they're playing you know with everything i just mentioned though it's getting to that point of the year where it's almost difficult to to watch the games how have you all has been a really a breath of fresh air at least there's something exciting to watch and watching the games
1: yeah definitely i mean they've had uh had some really bad games as of late though i mean like last night's game was uh well it was pretty exciting and it- and I mean, quite frankly, it's exactly what you want to see at this point of the season. You know, the Canadians put up a good effort, exciting game at the end, lose and get no points. So perfect scenario. But, uh, but I mean, certainly the last couple of games, you know, the, the, the game on Saturday against the, against the Senators and they lost 5-0, the game against the Red Wings. Well, the game uh, against Red Wings was a good game, but the game against the Red Wings, it was an
0: OT game and all that, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was an exciting game, but the, like they didn't play very well. Like, I would say, oh, well, yeah, well, okay, sorry, I didn't, I didn't, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was more talking about entertainment factor, but yeah, no, no, they definitely did not play well.
1: Yeah, like, I would say the last three games, that, like, so the last, you know, the two against the Sens and then the, the Red Wing games, that was probably the worst game that they've played despite losing 5 0, that they, they probably played worse against the Red Wings. That was the only game that they actually got a point in. So you de- definitely want to see more games like that against the center. Well, the more games like last night where they put up a good effort. You know, it was an exciting game and they don't get any points. But, uh, but yeah, they, they've been, I mean, they've really since the, since the end of December. I mean, it's the, 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 Habs have have really not played very well, you know, aside from a couple of good wins, a nice win, obviously against the Leafs, always fun beating yeah, the Leafs support. I, I, I was going to say, honestly, that one against the Leafs, that's enough for me for the rest of the year. <laughs> I
0: mean that's, it's always funny on a Saturday especially you know you beat the Leafs hockey night in Canada and, and the, with a decimated team you know and like they, they like you saw like Leafs fans were trying to make some 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 comments about how we, oh they still got a point and like it's bad for Canadians to win okay whatever okay when it comes to the rivalry we always love to beat the other team no, no matter what but that 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 one was fun but yeah at this point as, as much as I was team like you know, I don't. I don't want to root for them to lose. I think it's it's good for the that the kids are progressing and all that. We've already seen what we want to see from the kids, and especially now at this point with all the injuries and uh, and everything like that, it's just let's just try to get the best pick possible and not get embarrassed. But yeah, like you said, yesterday at least it was a good show for the fans. Uh, I'm sure heartbreaking at the end the way uh, Brady Kachuk scored. But really, if you're, for being honest, it's the best case scenario. I, I do want to talk about Brady Kachuk doing. Did you like? Did you notice his celebration? He did the like <laughs> wrestling championship belt thing. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, you're not making the playoffs either. I mean, like, relax with that celebration. Like, what a tool. It just he, he I'm like, I'm glad he's on the Sens just because it's great for the rivalry because he's so easy to hate. So easy to hate.
1: Oh yeah, between him and Stutzler, fucking diving all over the place. I mean, that, that, definitely just with those two guys, the the sins are very, very easy to hate. So uh, yeah, no, what a stu- like a stupid celebration. Like okay, bravo, you just won a, a pointless game that's not really going to get, well, maybe get you a little closer to to relevancy, but. Uh, I mean, I mean I think it's, it's good that the Sens beat us in back-to-back games because
0: if they go on a losing streak, you never know. They can pass us in the in the Bedar sweepstakes. So, you know, like, thank you, Brady Kachuk, for that late for that goal. But anyways, it's just so silly. But, I mean, <laughs> enough talk about Brady Kachuk. I do want to talk a bit more about Harvey, Harvey Pinal. Harvey Pinal is a hard one to say because I feel like it's, Harvey is such an English name and Pinall is such a French name. <laughs> it's like, I just feel like saying Harvey Pinal. It's like it's like a very bilingual. anyways, having a bit of a coming out party, playing really, really well, and playing with uh, like as much effort as anyone on on any given night. And and so far, five goals, one assist in in seven games, so six point in seven games, almost more impressive. As much as I don't find this statistic very relevant, but being a plus four on the Montreal Canadiens, especially including a f- five nothing loss. I mean that's a uh, that's quite the accomplishment. I mean, are we seeing a bit of a breakout here?
1: Yeah, I'm. Mean, yeah, I mean, definitely very, very impressed with the last couple of games. I mean, he's what four goals in the last three games, obviously killing it right now, um, and and a bit of a surprise certainly. I mean, he got off to a really slow start this season. at was how really, you know, didn't play very well. You know, maybe it was dealing like obviously they had a pretty long playoff run, making it to the conference finals, so. Maybe he, he, he was dealing with some injury stuff. Maybe that's why he got off to a slow start. But you know, he, he certainly came around near, uh, you know, in, in the second half. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the last 15, 20 games of Laval, he was starting to come uh, come around. And obviously that's why he got the call up. But uh, absolutely killing it right now. And I mean, you know, the uh, last night getting a chance with Suzuki and, you know, yeah. obviously paid off with two goals in the third period. I mean, he, he's been killing it, certainly. And you love to see it with a guy
0: like that, you know, because he has he has a great story. He's really fought hard to make it here. Of course, a uh, local kid, so you you love to see that too. But I, I, how much? Because we've we've been talking about how we've been on this podcast for a while. He's been he's been a a strong member of of the Rocket, and and he just he seems to have flashes of of being able to be a really a serviceable NHLer. I mean, what what are we talking about? What kind of player? Could we be looking? I've seen some people comparing him to maybe becoming the next Brett and Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher, as much as he slowed down now, he was a consistent thirty goal scorer. But you know, he was mainly an energy guy who got picked in the fifth round that became that.
1: Is As Javi Pinal realistically could he have a few Gallagher seasons in him? I mean i i I wouldn't I wouldn't say that certainly. I mean, his nickname over the last I think two or three years, basically since he got to Laval, has been Lavaliger. So you know, they, a lot of people obviously have have compared him to Gallagher. So, sort of, you know, he got got the same sort of uh, obviously stature. He's very small, about five five foot nine, one a hundred and some pounds. He's he's obviously not a big player, but obviously you know he's he's a spark plug type player. Um, I think he, realistically in Montreal, I mean, sure, obviously he has five goals in seven games, uh, off to a great start, but. You know, I, th- I think he's the kind of guy that is going to be more of a bottom six energy type player who can certainly chip in in scoring.
0: But uh, uh, if we were to go back in time, okay, let's say let's say we go back in time. It's 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 twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, not twenty 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 twelve. So we're going back ten years, okay? A young Brendan Gallagher got drafted in the f- f- fifth round. I'm I'm correct with that, right? He's the fifth round of Gallagher. Yeah, and, and and we're he's on a bit of a run, and and I'm asking you the same question: Could he be a potential thirty goal scorer? You laugh at me. You say there's no shot that Brendan Gallagher becomes a 30 goal scorer. Like, am I right or am I right? Like, so what's to say that if he is a Gallagher type, if he is a Levaliger, that he can't develop and become that type of player eventually, at the very least, be a 20 goal scorer kind of guy that does a bit of a middle six kind of role?
1: I mean, it's, 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 it's I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, you. A lot of people probably would have thought that uh, you know it would have been crazy to think Gallagher would be a thirty goal scorer, but I mean Gallagher. You know, when he was drafted, yes, he was he was drafted in the fifth uh, in the fifth round. That was like let's not forget that was uh, back in twenty ten, I think. Uh, and obviously he was pretty well. You know, at, at that point, smaller players weren't yeah. really drafted higher. Even even if like when he was basically his eighteen year old season, I think he scored forty goals. So not really the case with uh, with Gabriel uh, Obviously, he had some really good seasons. Uh, he did score 40, year, 40 goals, I think, when he was nineteen years old. So like the a year or two after his his initial draft year, um, but uh, but I mean, you know, he's uh, obviously he's proven it the last couple of games, and he's proven it in Laval as well that he's a guy that can find the back of the net. I don't think he could be a thirty goal scorer. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think Nick Suzuki was going to be a sixty point player either, or seventy point player either. But here we are. So uh, I mean, but you know, I, I think worst case, definitely he's he's shown that he deserves to be with the Habs. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't expect him to go back to Laval this season uh, unless you know maybe they maybe they make a playoff run. That would be awesome uh, in Laval. But, uh, I mean, definitely making a really good impression to be with the Habs at the start of next season. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, I mean, unless something drastic happens, I don't think there's there any reason to believe that he'll be going back down. And, I mean, especially seeing as the Habs sent down uh, last night after the game, Jesse Alonan. Right. Who was, you know, got off to a really good start with the Habs when he, when he first got called up. Seemed to slow down a little bit over the last couple of games. And how Pinard is, is you know sort of leap leapfrog him at least at this point. But, well, I think how
0: well, Pinard, To be clear, I don't I don't think he's a thirty goal scorer. Year I just thought it was an interesting uh, way of looking at it because you you never know obviously with these types of players. But I obviously don't think he becomes that. But the thing with Javi Pinard, I actually really liked what I saw from him. He was looking good. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If if we're looking more at like the complete game of a player, a guy that could that could you know. Play that role on the fourth line, even though he's a smaller guy, be an energy guy. Maybe play some minutes on the PK. And Javi Pinal maybe fills in that role a bit better than uh, Jesse Elonen type, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean Jesse said uh, you know, more of a he. I mean, I, I mean, despite the fact you know that Elonen only had two assists in ten games, and and obviously Javi Pinal has, uh, has uh, yeah. six points in seven games. I mean, you. You would think, or at least I would have said that Ilonen has a little bit more offensive upside. Obviously, hasn't hasn't proven that yet in the NHL. Ilonen um, is very strong defensively, but yeah, he's not the guy type of guy that's going to be throwing the body around, flying all over the place like Javi Pinal. I mean, I certainly think uh, I I would be surprised if Ilonen doesn't get called back up at some point by the Habs. And and certainly, I mean, you know, it's it obviously we'll see what happens in the off season, But I mean, they both have a chance to be with the team out of camp next season, I would think.
0: Yeah, I, I just feel like Ilona is one of those guys that is one of those, unfortunately, on the cusp kind of guys that his, his style of play, he needs to be a bit more skilled to be a steady NHLer and he'll go up and down a few times and he'll show flashes of brilliance and we'll think there's maybe some true potential there, but never maybe it never pans out. While a guy like Javi Pinal, I could see him being, you know, a fourth line guy for the Montreal Canadiens for like half a decade, you know, like to be like really be. and He's not like fighting to move up the lineup and all that, but every single night he's giving you a hundred and ten percent. He's a fan favorite. Once in a while, he has a he has a game where he scores scores a couple goals and the crowd goes absolutely wild. And he's just like a great, great, great guy to have on 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 your the fourth or third line if there's injuries and stuff like that. And I really can see him being a staple for on this team for, for, for years to come. Of course the, 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 the local kid thing, if it doesn't hurt.
1: No, for sure. I mean, you know, uh, you can't discount that either. Obviously we always love to have uh, at least, at least a couple of Quebec born players uh, with, with the Habs, but, but I mean, certainly, I mean, the way that he's been playing, if he, if he keeps it up, I mean, he, he definitely looks like he belongs in the NHL at this point. And, and, you know, uh, again, I mean, just throwing that body around, being that t- energy type. And, and obviously, you show that he can chip in every once in a while with a couple of goals as well. For sure. If you were to ask me to describe
0: what is my ideal fourth line player, I'm describing someone very close to the way Javi Pinal plays. It's exactly the type of guy you want at the bottom of your lineup. It's a good energy guy. I mean, he's not a liability in the defensive zone. Can score some goals once in a while because in today's NHL, you can't have black holes offensively anywhere on your lineup. Like, I know we have Michael Pizzetta on the team, which like I don't want to hate on Michael Pizzetta. He he seems like a wonderful guy, great head of hair and all that. But you know he's not he's not on your roster if you're not a bottom feeder team like the Montreal Canadiens. Like let's let's be honest uh, about that. If you're really a contender, you don't have a guy like like Pizzetta uh yeah, in in the lineup at least not as a, as a as a regular player but you might have a Javi Pinal on the fourth line who he plays heroics once in a while you know he, I can see him like being the type of guy that come, come playoff time uh, in a few years when we're more of a competitive team he randomly goes on a bit of a run where he he gets a couple game-winning goals out of nowhere because he seems like that type of player you know just has a has a knack for it and I, it's just you need players like that on your team and it's always uh, that much better when they're, they're homegrown developed players that can stick with the team. I, I really see him having a, a long, like maybe like a super long career with the Canadians, but a good like four or five years
1: where he's a fan favorite and he, and he plays a steady role on the fourth or third line. No, absolutely. I and mean, it's like you said, dude, he's, he's exactly the kind of guy that you want on your, on your fourth line, you know, maybe potentially even a third line. I mean, yeah, there's there's no way that Alvi Pinal should be coming out of the lineup at any point for for Michael Pezzetta. um yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Pezzetta, he he is what he is, but you know, he's 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 obviously not a guy that's going to score more than uh, maybe five goals a season. So, which Alvi Pinal already has. So, yeah, I know, I know. I, even the
0: goal Pozzetta had uh, the the other game uh, was it against Detroit? I think it, it was just such a Michael Pozzetta goal, right? Like the puck accidentally ended up on, on his stick and he just threw it on net and, and it was, it went in and it was terrible, but you know, it, you love to see it when it happens. But, you know, like you said, it, it is what it is Pizzetta, I, I don't mean to, to rag on Michael Pezzetta. He, uh, he works hard and he's, I'm sure he's a great locker room guy and all that, but yeah, but having even all like another level type of guy, it's great to see him finally make it. And I really hope that he, that this has been enough for him to kind of stay with the club and, Going into the next year, you know, you're you're losing some of the the dead weights. you know, the the dad and maybe not Hoffman. Maybe that's gonna be hard to get rid of uh, Hoffman, but you know the the, whole, the who's who's injured right now, sure. But uh, anyways, but like he's probably not back next year. You know, there's maybe, hopefully a few more guys that are kind of like, you know, not part of the of the rebuild and kind of just taking up roster spots. I'd, I'd like to them to kind of shoe away and like guys like how he can all play those minutes, because like you said, I, there's no reason for him to go back to Laval at, at this point. He He's paid his dues.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, he'll definitely, you know, he should uh, pro- probably not going to be uh, down to Laval anytime uh, this season, probably going to spend the rest of the year here with the Habs. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got off to a good start. It's it's still a pretty small sample size, seven games, but uh, off to a great start, and it's it's up to him to, you know, to to continue to prove that he belongs at this point. Yeah, and
0: and forget the points. Like even if Evgeni Pinal goes ten games without scoring, like that doesn't mean he's necessarily playing poorly. You know, you know what I mean. Like that's not necessarily his, his game. He could be a very very useful player for the team while not scoring. It's just a plus when he does score. But anyways, moving on from Pinal to a, another local kid who we've talked about a lot this year, just because he's been so consistently solid for the Habs Samuel Montembeau, and more and more the way he's been playing. I mean, Alan's played a few games lately too, but he hasn't been quite uh, that consistent this year. But Montembeau more and more you know, looking like he can maybe be, in my opinion, the, the Montreal Canadiens starter for the next next few years. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I <laughs> I hated on Montembeau a lot last year, but he's really turned it around. He's still pretty young. Uh, you know and especially in goalie year like we all know goalies can take a uh, longer time to to develop and you look at the advanced statistics and and all that type of stuff and just he's he's a solid goalie he's if you if you think about the fact there's 32 teams in the NHL which means there's 32 starting goaltenders you could definitely make an argument that Abu is one of the 32 best goaltenders in the world right now the way he's been playing
1: yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Like you said, goalies always take longer to develop. I'm, I'm 35 and I'm still waiting to develop into a good goalie. <laughs> you're just about to hit your prime though. That's your just about, just about there. I haven't played in
0: three years, uh, but, uh, but you're, you're, you're about to hit your prime.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this year, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to say that he's probably been one of the top 32 goaltenders in the NHL this year. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, he's certainly, I mean, I, I don't know if you could say that there's a a player on the Habs this year is a, that has improved more than Samir and Bull. I mean, last year, like you said, I mean, he it, he wasn't very good last year. But, I mean, the pr- the progress that he's made this year, I mean, he's definitely outplayed Jake Allen. I don't think that there's really any argument whatsoever there. Uh, obviously, Jake Allen's done with a couple of injuries and whatnot, but uh, Bull absolutely, I think he's, def- you know, surpassed everybody's expectations you know from what we saw last year uh you know could he be I I definitely expect him to be with the Habs for the next couple of years at least for sure Uh, especially with his cap hit you know the young goaltender still you know could potentially you know progress even more am I gonna be super confident with Moltapu being the starting goalie if the Habs are gonna start making you know, a, a bit of a run to 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 start being a playoff team. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that he can really be a a, a solid starting goaltender for it for a for like a, a contending team. You know, certainly he had he still has more to prove uh, before before we can say that. But uh, but I mean, at the very least, I think he can be a solid one A one B option. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, right already he's looking he's he's looking like he he can do that.
0: And there's all there's only so many really elite goaltenders that are a guy you're gonna trust to be your everyday guy. That's not just a one a one b. When when you look at the at the goalies and all that, there's they they have hot years, cold years, and all that. And if there's so many teams moving goalies around. There's maybe like ten goalies that I would be one hundred percent. This is a number one goalie I can that I, that I trust to be like the guy going. On. So so if, if you're telling me it's a one a one b like montabu like. Teams have won cups with a one A one B situation. I do agree you'd have to get to a point where you have another guy because by the time the Canadians are competitive, you know Jake Allen is definitely not with Montreal Canadiens anymore at this point. You don't want to have another guy in the lineup, but especially considering the you know what the the Goldie pipeline for the Canadians is. I mean, right now, if you had to put money on who's going to have a better career between Montabau and Caden Primo, Primo has done absolutely nothing. To give nope. me any sort of of inkling that it's it's gonna be him, you know. It's I I think he's we we were hopeful for him. Uh, his uh, a couple of years after his draft year, and he had a good run last year with uh with Laval and all that. But when it comes to playing in the NHL, just unless something drastically changes, it's just not happening.
1: No, definitely, he's he, he's definitely seemed to have regressed this year. It, he has at the same time he's dealt with a couple of injuries this year, which 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 definitely hasn't helped him either. But uh, no, his his numbers are not very good. Um, he's, he's he's definitely not b- been very good in Laval. I mean, re- on, uh, quite frankly, I mean, aside from yes, he didn't have a bad regular season last year in Laval, but aside from really the playoff run that they had last year, where he you know basically stood on his head, he's. You know he's had up and down moments, but he's never really shown that he, at least not in, in in the professional levels yet, that he that he really has what it takes. And and I mean, yeah, you know, we just talked about how multiple is pretty still pretty young. He's twenty six years old, um, yeah. But he's obviously in the NHL. It's his second or third year in the NHL at this point. Primo, he's gonna be t- well, he's gonna be twenty four this year. You know, he's he's still got another two years left on his contract, I believe, with the Habs. But I mean, at this point. You know that I, I think the Habs are definitely, you know, when when they start making moves at the deadline and and potentially you know come come the off season, if they start moving one of their top you know one of their really good players for some top prospects, I wouldn't be surprised if the Habs start looking at a goalie, um and and even you know probably not with one of the top fifteen picks, but if they were to get another first round pick near the end of the first round, you know they might look for a goalie and and de- definitely I think the Habs in the first two rounds at least of the next draft are going to be looking at one of the top goalie prospects because yeah, Primo, Primo doesn't look on, obviously he could turn it around again. You know, Molta, like Primo, basically, I think from what I've seen, especially when he plays with the Habs, he's had, he has the exact same issues that Molta Bull had last season where he doesn't seem confident in nets. He, anytime a deer in the headlights. Yeah, exactly. You know, he gets rattled, gets rattled really easily. Uh, he, he, he he doesn't, like, when he's in his crease, he doesn't fight for his room in the crease. Like, he just kind of shies away from contact. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was exact same problem that Moltambo had last year, so maybe Primo can turn it around as well. But, um, yeah, yeah he, he really hasn't shown much.
0: For sure. Yeah, you, you never know. But he, he could, I mean, if you asked me last year, I never would have thought Multabu would be playing the boy he's playing this year. So it, it definitely could have happened. I mean, you look at a guy like, for example, Charlie Lindgren, who's had a pretty good season. Uh, over in, uh, in in Washington, he we never thought that was gonna pan out. Like goal, goalies are weird, you know. Sometimes we saw we've we've seen goalies in the past break out when they're like thirty in the thirty one years old. You know, you, you never know what can happen, but at, at the same time, with, with Primos had so many shots to kind of, you know, so many opportunities over the years because there've been so many injuries to goaltenders for the Canadians to come in on the Canadians and kind of just take that spot or at least show some promise or something. At this point, even if Primo does become an NHL goaltender in the future, if I had to put money on it, it's not going to be in Montreal. You know, like Maybe he gets a change of senior at some point. Maybe there's something that, that comes. Maybe playing in, in, in front of the Bell Center crowd is just too much for it, like him. Like I, I don't know. But even if he does happen, I don't think it's here. So I, I definitely agree, agree with your point, especially considering the amount of draft picks the Canadians have. You're, you're probably going to see... You know, them taking a, a flyer on a on a goalie. But then again, you never know what, what, that, what that can lead to. I mean, we thought we had someone in, in Fucali a few years ago. It's tough with goalies. It's tough. That's why a guy like Molotanbo, now that he's playing so well, you kind of want to hold on to that. And speaking of which, there was actually an article from The Athletic. Now, they, they weren't saying this was a rumor necessarily, but they were talking about maybe dark horse trade targets. And Molotanbo was one of their dark horse trade targets because the way he's played this year has been really solid and it only costs him 1 million a year would teams that need another goaltender be willing to pay a little bit to go get Montempo? and i thought it was interesting uh to talk about because as much as we want to be sellers do we want to sell multiple at this point point? And, and just and i don't know how you feel about this but personally with the type of return goalies get in general i just don't care for a trade like that like what, are going to get a third round pick? I don't care. I'd rather keep Multabu at that point.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you, from any perspective. I don't. I th- don't. I don't think it makes any sense. First of all, I don't think the Habs are are going to trade a youngish, you know, a relatively young goaltender that's starting to show a decent amount of promise. You know, yeah. the, obviously that's that's something they want to hold on to. Um, you know, Jake Allen's getting starting to get older, and Multabu's even playing better than him already. Um, so I, I I don't think that makes sense. So let then I mean the the obvious the obvious elephant in the room, the fact that he's a Montreal he's he's a French Canadian, they're not gonna you know even more reason no, not to for right? sure, right? Uh, I mean when when was the last time that we had a good French Canadian goaltender? Probably Theodore, right? Which was yeah. over a decade ago. So there's no way. And and even even from like a, a contender's perspective, yes, I understand his contract is re- is really cheap. But I mean, if you're a real contender, you probably want to try. And now, obviously, it's easier said than done to get like a, a, a proven goaltender. But I'd rather a proven goaltender than yes, somebody maybe that's having a great season. But you don't know what he can do in the playoffs. You don't. You know, I I, I don't think it's absolutely giving up too much for him.
0: Well, for sure. I see that that that's the main thing for me. Like, unless a team comes in with a stupid offer, uh, I I might very likely don't don't even consider it because I don't I don't see the point really. So, just uh, I I get where they're kind of coming from, uh, with their 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 dark horse dark horse potential trade targets, even just because of the salary. You know, there might there might be some teams calling about him, but the return I don't think I can't imagine would be would be would be worth it. You might as well just hold on to him. Like you said, he's young. He's a local kid, so yeah. I mean, I I, I think we could have a, a legit goalie from the Canadians for a few years. I mean, the way he's been playing, like like I said, I like you said, like a, I don't think he's ever gonna be the type of guy that you you're gonna trust to you know play sixty seventy games a year. But who does that anymore anyway? So once allen moves on you you probably expect them like let's say allen gets traded the trade line. i don't necessarily think it's going to happen with his injuries but if it were to happen i'd still expect the canadians to go get another maybe veteran goalie to play alongside moltabu in the offseason, regardless of what direction we're going you're not going into the year with moltabu and primo primo as your starters i don't think you know that's a, no
1: definitely not definitely
0: not a, a bit too much of a recipe for disaster regardless of uh, if, if you're re- rebuilding uh, or not uh, but uh, yeah, and st- sticking with the positives, I want to talk about Kirby Doc. Man, he has been getting better and better and better. He's been—I mean—in January, he's he was the best player on the Montreal Canadiens. He had the most points, and he's the most consistent, and he scores big goals. And when he scores those big goals, he—I love his celebrations. He—he he really, really—he—he's loving it, right? He's—and I feel like we have a, a kid now that. It didn't end well in Chicago for him, and now we're showing him so much love. I think he really loves the Canadians and being a Hab right now. And we got such a steal, such a steal for the Canadians. It's it's really crazy how uh, we got Kirby Doc for like, Romanov, basically.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, like even when the trade happened, like I I thought, and and I think you know a lot of people thought that, wow, like why would why would a team like Chicago, who's rebuilding, give up? On a third overall pick, who, who has shown quite a bit, you know, before before he dealt with a couple of injuries, you know, he, he showed that he could play in the NHL, and to give give him up for a first round pick, you know, basically, yeah, like you said, I mean, we basically gave up Romanov. I mean, what yeah. what an absolute steal, and I mean, yeah, you know, at the beginning of the season, and he, you know, okay, he was looking pretty good, not too too bad, but man, like the last months, like January, he's been. Like you said, I mean, definitely the best hab. There's no doubt he's just yep. killing it and getting better and better. And I mean, you know, there's. And, the and you obviously... notice he's developing as a
0: center also every yeah, game. That's it's like when the Suzuki and Caulfield line was dominated, like, when they were like playing really well, it's when Doc was there. So really, if you look at the whole year or most of the year, the line, the best line has been what, whichever line Kirby Doc has been on all year.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and like you said, I mean, now the fact that he's developing as a center as well, I mean, wow, just just an absolute steal. I mean, to think that we're going to have Suzuki and Kirby Doc through the ne- for the next decade, and who knows, maybe another guy that we're going to draft in the first round this year. I mean, we're we're looking pretty damn good right now, that's for sure. Yeah, well,
0: and and, and this is also always the the Pierre Dubois stuff. Like, if that's still that's, that's still going to happen, like it's 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 looking it's looking good. It's looking good, and man, I just i i i just i still can't believe it like you said i think like my only hesitations when the draft happened at first i was like holy hold on third overall pick just a few years ago you start looking him up like obviously i'm not watching chicago games constantly it's like okay he's had a few injuries the only doubt i had after the trade was like okay there must be something behind the scenes we're not seeing or, or something because it made no sense why is a team like chicago making this move i mean I think the the uh, the Islers probably came out the worst out of the whole situation, considering, like, I love Romanov, but, like, to give away a top pick for Romanov, like, that made no sense. At least they got a, a top prospect, I, I guess, in, in Chicago. But even, the, it doesn't make sense. And I just, I don't know. Maybe, I think we just reap the benefits of some poor, poor management, really. Like, the GMs maybe jumped the gun on this too quick, and the, the first big move, for uh for for the group i mean there's been a, a few other trades but a, a lot of trades from this uh from this group has been i've been panning out for uh, for the canadians so far
1: yeah i mean i like i mean i guess there haven't been there hasn't been that that many trades but i mean i can't think of a bad one so far not to come I mean- to mind the, the the Ben Shira trade, unfortunately, Florida
0: has been winning a bit more, so it's not a lottery pick anymore. But if they go on a bit of a losing streak, regardless, it's an amazing trade getting getting a first for Ben Chirot, yes. hilarious. <laughs> but you know, it just it would just be that much funnier if it's a lottery pick. Uh, so hopefully Florida can get, start uh, start losing again. Yeah, but there's been a few good moves, but but yeah, getting Kirby Do- like, especially when you think about the 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 the, the Berge years, and how he would go on and on and on for what was he GM for 10 years about how you can't just trade for centers. You can't just go get centers. They don't exist. It's so hard to get centers. And then we get a new GM group and they're like,
1: uh, half a year. We got you a top six center. Good. <laughs> it's true. Kirby dot. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, definitely a hell of a trade. And, and I mean, like it just keeps getting better and <laughs> looking better and better every day. I mean, you know, that basically the one thing with Doc right now is is, and though he has been getting better at the faceoff circle, I mean, that's that's sort of the, the big concern at this point. But it's Are it's always kind of like that.
0: 48.9 in in January. So I mean, that that forty-eight point nine is is not atrocious. You wanted to get a bit better, but it's trending in the right direction. It's it, like it's not as bad as Suzuki was was it last year or the year before like Suzuki was terrible at the face off circle for a little bit there and he eventually got there and i think it's just a thing with young players your first few years at center in the NHL you're, you're never going to i feel like even I, I think Crosby's like the one exception you know but like obviously Kirby Doc's not Crosby like it's just it's just you know it's it's a thing but the way he's played like I, at first i i like we argued about this a little bit that i didn't want to take move Kirby Doc away from off in the Suzukas they were playing so well together but I mean now seeing him playing it doesn't matter who the winger is if he's the center he and he's leading the play like we saw a few games live this year too and you you notice him in person too like he 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 looks like a dominant force out there he, he, he actually does he's not maybe throwing the body around like crazy like throwing big hits but he uses his body to protect the puck and really carry the puck in he, he really seems like he's developing into a really, really, really strong center for that to be your one two punch with Suzuki. I me mean, looking good to me.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, we've we went to see a couple of games. I remember the last game that we went to go see was a game against Winnipeg, and and he was definitely the best player on the ice. I mean, he he was killing it, yeah. And he was playing with uh, Anderson, and I forget who else he was playing with. Might it have, might have actually been with Dan all the game that he scored two goals. But uh, no, nah, he he's he he just keeps getting better and better, and and I mean, you know, he's such a big-bodied center like that. I mean, he's just going to keep getting better with age yeah. as well. So yeah, and, and, and to get a trade,
0: Yeah, get, like basically get well, maybe not for free, man? Because I don't want to hate on Ro- on uh, on Romanov. Like, yeah, he is what he is. And then with the whole thing that happened to Kudryavtsev, it's like it's like we got a do-over on the big center and got the better <laughs> one out of it. Like it it's crazy. It's 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 incredibly it feels so incredibly lucky that it worked out this way, but it really, really, really did uh did work out. But the, the one thing though that I've been seeing talk about, so we're talking about this one two punch uh for years to come with Doc and Suzuki. Suzuki not I mean he's still the second best scorer on the team in, in the month of uh January, but only one goal uh and uh and, and seven assists for eight points. In uh, fourteen games, obviously not looking as great as he did at the beginning uh, of the season. I mean, there was a point in the year he was on a ninety-point base, I think. Uh, so, I mean, is it a situation where he he's regressing more to the mean, where he was never gonna get ninety points, or is it a situation is he playing injured like Caulfield, or is it just because he doesn't have Caulfield playing with him? Like, like I honestly think he's playing a horrible, but it's nothing compared to the beginning of the season. Like, is this something we should be concerned about?
1: Ah, uh, he, he, yeah, he definitely seems to have uh, taken a bit of a step back, but uh, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, I, I definitely think losing Caulfield has, has hurt him. you know, uh, you know losing, losing the best winger on the team. I mean, for sure, is going to slow him down. And to be clear, not just
0: losing him since he's been out. Caulfield was also playing injured yeah, for a while, yeah, exactly. right? So th- that plays into
1: it too. Yeah, which which is probably another topic that we should that we should talk about. Yeah. Like, in Caulfield playing injured? But no, I'm not I'm not too worried about Nick Suzuki. And like, you know, yes, Doc has been amazing the last the last month, and Suzuki's taking a bit of a step back. But like, you know, I mean, uh, we all know with uh, Montreal fans and especially the media going, you know, blowing everything out of proportion all the time. Now Kirby Doc is the center of the future, and Suzuki's <laughs> the future winger. Like, it's crazy. But no, I'm definitely not worried about Suzuki. You know he's he's gonna turn it around and and you know like he's like like you said I mean maybe he is dealing with an injury I mean who knows but um no, for losing losing the top winger is is definitely gonna you know a winger that you that you've basically been playing with for the last two seasons is is definitely gonna slow you down. Well, for sure like I, I, I 100% agree
0: and also it's just like I can't really blame players for going into slumps when in these types of seasons also. Like it's not a, it's never a perfect representation of of like like Suzuki's a gamer. Like we've seen Suzuki score big goals and big moments, and when you're on a losing team, losing consistently, keep getting injuries. It's it, I feel it's kind of natural to maybe slow down a little bit and not have the same kind of intensity and and and, and all that type of stuff. And I I personally like some people would would hate. hearing that but i don't necessarily blame a player for 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 doing that and i i think maybe you know maybe suzuki's never going to be truly a 90 point player maybe he he was a bit on a hot streak there but i think he's better than what we're seeing right now maybe he's more in the middle you know the the 75 point kind of player like more assists and goals of course but pretty consistent and you know like you, you look at the rotation of wingers he's been playing with especially with caulfield out there's there's not a lot uh, not a lot there. So I think I, once this team continues in the right direction, like one, two years down the line, and the top six is looking a bit more complete, the young players are developed, are he- the team's healthy. Uh, I have no concerns for uh, for Nick Suzuki uh, what, what, whatsoever. I know he's got the $8 million price tag and to see, so the expectations are sky high. But once again, he's 23. And even when he's playing bad now, like he's not playing bad, he's playing below... His usual standard, which is still pretty solid.
1: Not exactly. Yeah, so I'm definitely not too worried. And like you said, I mean, it, with with all the injuries, you know, even if he's not injured, all the injuries on the team. I mean, you're constantly dealing with 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 different wingers, and even on the power play, you're dealing with different players. Yeah, and we all know how the power, how bad the power yeah. play is to begin with. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure the fact that you know they they're not you know maybe there's a lot of players on the Habs that are playing for their future but like you know at the end of the day they're not playing for a playoff spot or anything like that at this point so I'm sure that that sort of plays into it as well where you know I mean okay you got the pressure playing in Montreal but you know you're not you're playing for something but you're not really playing for for much at this point right so yeah you know it he's maybe not necessarily giving it his hundred percent or he or his hundred and ten percent I guess so no, but he's still on pace for like a you know a good sixty points, maybe even sixty-five points. So, which would still be a pretty solid season. No, for sure, for sure. Like
0: getting sixty-five points on a on a on a like bottom like six-seven team is is still v- very very good. And so, I, I'm uh, I'm not concerned at all. I think once it's time for Suzuki to perform, Suzuki's going to perform. And like I said, even though he's maybe not playing as good as he was at the beginning, either, That's the thing too. It's like we're it's like we're unfairly comparing him. To how good he was at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe it was on a bit of a hot streak, but yeah, I'm I, I'm not concerned. But you mentioned it a few times. So the injuries, of course, the the big news uh, since the last podcast is Cole Caulfield out for the year. You know, we already lost Szkoski for the year. Uh, I mean, so many injuries piling on on top of the injuries last year. I mean, we joked at times this year that you know what got us the number first overall pick. Uh, last year was all the injuries you know that helped us kind of and I almost joked that it wouldn't be the worst thing for it to happen against this year but like now it's like it's is it a little bit concerning and I've seen a little bit of talk about it on Twitter like is is this a training staff issue like what like what's going on that this team for back-to-back season has so many injuries
1: yeah, it's definitely really weird. I mean, like last season, you can kind of expect it because they had such, you know. I mean, obviously they had a long playoff run, and yeah. and the extra shortened off season because of the whole COVID thing. Sure. So, you know, you could expect it a little bit last season, and 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 I think there was a lot of players that had lingering injuries going into the season, but you know, I mean, certainly this season is is very concerning. I mean, there's so many players that are injured, like it's it's crazy. And, and I mean, to me, it's not okay. So it's one thing. I mean, what they can't really do anything about players getting injured. But the fact that, like, we, we know that Caulfield, first of all, has played, played like a couple of game, if like a couple of weeks with the, with the injury, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, I mean, when you the, know the it's already thing, in season.
0: The one thing about that, from my understanding of what, and look, you know, neither of us, or anywhere near uh you know having medical degrees or anything like that, you know, we don't know anything about that, so it's all based on what we, 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 we we're here. from what I understand, his like shoulder injury, the type of injury it is, is that you can't really make it worse, which is why he was playing through. and I think maybe that that is a reason why we have so many players not playing because of injuries because how many of these players would be playing? were this not a lost season, you know? like Caulfield has said already that if the Canadians were fighting for a playoff spot, he would still be playing, and he would get the surgery at the end of the season. Uh, I, I get your point. My first reaction too was like just sit him right away. But you know, he he on a personal level wanted to play. he was he was going for, you know, for uh, you know, trying to score as many goals and all that, you know, personal milestones and all all, all that type of stuff. If it truly is an injury that can't get worse, I get it. And part of me, is like do are we you know are we worried about nothing and it's just a situation where a lot of these players could be playing but there's no point at this point might as well rest them you know the season's I lost
1: mean, it's, yeah it's possibly I mean maybe yeah you're I mean yeah that could very well be like maybe Caulfield would have uh would have played longer if he could have um you know I mean maybe maybe that's what's going on with Slavkovsky as well uh, and, you know, he was, he was another guy that, you know, he kind of got injured a couple of times and then, you know, he took some shots to the head and and then he came back maybe a little bit too soon. So like, I feel like we've seen maybe that a couple of times too, where it's like a sure. player seems like maybe he's injured, then he comes back, plays like two or three games and then he's out for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, same, same thing with like Monaghan, like he's been injured a couple of times. This, now, obviously he's, he's had some lingering injuries from, In from the past, from last. Yeah. From yeah but yeah, it yeah you know it's it, again you can't put all the blame on them. You don't know exactly what's happening with the training staff and and with the injuries, but it it definitely is, is kind of suspect for sure. And and I think definitely something that they're going to have to look into. I mean, you know, the Habs are, should have one of, if not the best training staff in the world. So they they got to get this figured out for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just. You got to think that they're not being stupid about it, you know? Like, there, there's there, there, there's no way, you know, in my mind, it seems so unfathomable that a guy like Cole Caulfield, who is the future of the franchise, if he had an injury that he could have potentially made worse, maybe for long-term in his career or whatever, if it was that type of injury, there is no way they would have let him play. There, I, there's no, absolutely no way. I uh, that, that's why I tend to kind of believe the kind of argument of, of it being an injury that cause those, there, there, there are those types of injuries where it, it's, it's, it's injured in a certain way where there's going to be pain. There's maybe going to be a little less movement, but you can't necessarily make it worse. Like I, I've definitely heard of those types of sports injuries in the past. If it's that type of injury and Caulfield wanted to play, I don't have any issues with it. And as long as he stopped early enough that he can come back for next season and all that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm hopeful that it's just a situation where you know, bottom feeder team. And if you're a guy like Gallagher, if you're a guy like Dwayne or, or Armia, you're like, why, why risk, you know, my performance for the rest of my career just to, to play through injuries in the lost season. So, and if that's the, I get it too. If I'm a player and I'm playing for a team, that I'm going on Twitter and the fans are like hoping they lose every night because we want a better draft pick. Why Why am I putting my career on the line? You know, play, trying to play. You know, so 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 it makes sense. It makes sense if players if players are are taking the safer route and and not playing. Of course, it was a different situation with Caulfield, but still, I, I'm trying not to be too paranoid about it. They can't be that incompetent. There's no way.
1: No, I, I mean, yeah, you definitely hope not because you know obviously we're not playing for a whole lot this season, and and no. you know with with one of our like you said, I mean franchise players basically, and uh, you know he's he's going to be the future of the franchise, him and Suzuki and Doc. So definitely, at least at this point, hope he'll be able to he'll you know he'll be back to one hundred percent next season, and and hopefully get that fifty goal hit that fifty goal mark next year. Do Do you think this has any effect on the contract uh, talks? Well, I mean, maybe that's why he wanted to keep playing too, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. You know, I mean, I, but, I guess if you're talking he, about the. He, here's
0: the thing. Let's say he was going to hit, you know, for, between 40 and 50, you know, maybe 45. So are you negotiating with him as if he hit 45?
1: Or, or sure. No, that's, that's definitely what his agent's going to be doing.
0: <laughs> for, for sure. 100%. 100%.
1: So it'll it'll be curious to, curious to see
0: i mean the the last thing I want to hear is about having some like I just hope the 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 negotiation goes well you know, and it's not one of those things that lingers and 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 all that you hate to hear hear that when it's when you're uh, when you're a star player, but uh, yeah well I'm, I'm curious' I'm still on, on on in the camp of offering him exactly Suzuki's contract and hope he accepts it maybe give him a dollar more just so he can uh, you know rub it in Suzuki's face a little bit you know Suzuki gets to see he gets a dollar more. And
1: uh, just get it done, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully they can get it done. I mean, Ken Hughes obviously is a former agent as well, so he knows he knows the uh, ins and outs of it. I, but. The, the fact
0: that he was a former agent makes me very curious to see how these salary negotiations are going to go. Right, because part of me is like, is he going to be seeing it from the side of the players too much and be a little bit too generous? I mean, we're, we're coming back from Berge giving some big contracts you know, out like candy on Halloween. So, I don't know. And we we don't want to get in a bad cap situation with uh, with these young players, especially when, you know, a few years you're going to have to sign Connor Bedard, too.
1: Well, I mean, I think the the one contract that he's given out that that I can see really was a Kirby Doc contract, which, uh, I mean, seems like a pretty good one. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people thought it was high at first um, for a guy that maybe wasn't necessarily proven, but uh, look, looking like a pretty damn good contract yeah. right now.
0: Completely different situation. Oh yeah, no, for sure, than, for sure, than Nick Suzuki. So I mean, but I, it's true though that Kirby Doc. The, the, the best thing about the Kirby Doc contract is that he's at this price for three more years after this year. So his, his price is three point three million, and after that, he's still an RFA. It's it's crazy to me that Kirby Doc is twenty two and he's that good as way he's playing. So. Uh, I know we already talked so much about Curry Dog, don't we need to talk about it more about oh, man oh man. More I think about it, more I can't believe that he's Montreal Canadian. Uh oh boy. Uh all right. So I mean aside from that, usually this is when we do a bit of a prediction for the coming games, but it's the all star break, so there's uh there's no games until you know, the eleventh of February. So it's ten days without uh without games. So I mean Nick Suzuki obviously represent The one who's going to represent the Canadians at the All Star game is Nick Suzuki going to score a lot of goals in the All Star game That's the prediction we're going (laughs) to do.
1: I'm
0: going to say he's going to score one goal. Well, I remember last year, and I was paying close attention last year, and I I did the same thing this year because me and you, we both play a lot of the EA's NHL game, you know, because, you know, are addicted to the gambling aspect of it, and his his card that he has for the All Star game gets better if he scores a goal. And I remember the only reason I watched the All Star game last year because let's be honest, when you're in your mid thirties, the All Star game is not for you. It's for the children. <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty stupid, but it, in my opinion, at least. And he looked like a, a kid at the All Star game last year. He he absolutely looked like a kid that was just happy to be there and didn't want it. So I wonder now, second All Star game, and you know. He's a bit, he's not as a captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Like he's still going to be one of the young players, but still, you know, he, he's not the new kid, you know, on the block. There's going to be other younger players there. So I wonder if he tries to to give a show a little bit more this year than he did uh, than, than the last time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, I think it's it's probably got to be a little nerve-wracking. You know, your first all-star game, you know, with the playing with all the top stars in the NHL. Oh, the guys that. that you
0: grew up watching, you know. Exactly. When, he was a, he was a kid when Crosby scored a golden goal, you know what I mean? Like.
1: So yeah, it's definitely got to be a little nerve-wracking, but yeah, I'm sure he'll be he'll be probably more comfortable this season and uh and yeah, hopefully hopefully have a better performance.
0: Uh, and uh, I, know, I guess uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, like I said, I don't really care that much about the all-star game, but uh, it, it is what it is. And maybe, yeah, uh, maybe he's uh, excited to go out. Uh, I'll, I'll be excited when the, we have both Caulfield and, and Suzuki, which, which, you know, I know Caulfield's injured now anyway, so he wouldn't be going to all-star game, but yeah, you know, it's bullshit that he wasn't going to begin with. But uh, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, and uh, just uh, unless there's anything else that, that I forgot to talk about just to finish it off, as we always do on the podcast at the end, let's do some uh, prospect updates from, from what I've seen I mean Lane Hudson first of all apparently is a couple of inches taller so it's actually happening
1: and keeps winning the rookie of the week every single week he's just him pretty much like at this point it's just going to be the Lane Hudson award I'm Yeah, pretty sure like, it's, it's ridiculous at this point and yeah apparently he's up to 510 now could he hit 511 like Craig Button said if if Lane Hudson would have been 511 at the draft he could have Gone first overall, so I mean, uh, definitely a pretty good steal. It's it sixty second uh, overall. I mean, he's a freshman defenseman. He has thirty one points in twenty four games. Just just absolutely ridiculous. And and again, now five ten. If he hits five eleven, even six foot, absolute steal. Six, and I six he, foot three, six foot four, I mean, maybe.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how no, tall this guy's gonna get? I don't think he's gonna hit six. Uh, but I will say, and we talked about this when we were talking about the halves prospects at the World Juniors. I I when I watched the games, I didn't think he looked that small on the ice. I really didn't think like he like he's a small player. Like get me wrong, but like it's not like when you watch games and you see Cole Caulfield out there, he looks like a tiny little man surrounded by big giant men. You know, <laughs> like like you yeah. you you could tell but he didn't look that out of place and small. Of course, I'm comparing Kovil being in the NHL to the the World Juniors, but still, there's a lot of big kids at the World Juniors that are way, like, six feet plus, you know? So, I don't know, he didn't look that, that small, the World Juniors, to me.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I guess he hopefully is getting taller, so that's that's obviously awesome news. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's going to be a really exciting player to follow over the next, you know, he's probably going to play another, at least one year, maybe, you know, maybe even two years at uh, at Boston University, so but as soon as he does come, I mean that's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see him uh, maybe Laval or maybe he'll just make the jump to Montreal. Who knows?
0: I, I like I wouldn't be even that surprised. I don't. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but like he might be the big conversation of the camp next year. You know the the question of like has he done enough to make the team? Should we send him back anyways? Because he's just playing already dominating the league he's in. He's just progressing. He seems to be progressing a lot, too, and all that. So I don't think it happens. I do think he plays another year in in uh, in college next year. But, I mean, are we getting too hyped for this kid? Or could he actually be, like, a, a number one defenseman for, for the Canadians in the future?
1: I mean, he's absolutely looking like he could be a number one defenseman. I mean, at, th- at this point, you know, in his freshman season, he had better points than Kale McCarr in his freshman season. Oh, so, God, Dustin, snob yeah. with this. This too much. <laughs> too much it's oh. too exciting it's it's too exciting yeah. and uh i mean other oh, prospects oh, like what a draft what a draft yeah owen beck already playing his first nhl game yeah. i mean didn't put any points i was hoping yeah i think we were all hoping he was going to pull a paling and score a hat trick but you know it is what that, it is. What are you talking about i don't want
0: i don't want anything to, like that to happen again that's the, maybe the worst thing to happen during Paling's no. career <laughs> that's probably true <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean that draft, uh, you know, it's only been a couple, uh, c- couple of months since the draft, but, uh, I mean, already looked, looking oh, amazing. Yeah. For We're sure, looking so.
0: amazing. And speaking of Owen and Beck, actually, I did, did you see the quote from, uh, this was, uh, posted, uh, four, four days ago, like when he played, obviously that how he got a text from Nick Suzuki invited him out to dinner went how out with him and five other guys, it was super nice. Very very welcoming group. Awesome to be here. I mean you'd expect a team to do that but you we've heard horror stories of teams having bad leadership groups and like 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 you, more and more when you you're seeing these podcasts with NHL former NHL players being very candid about their experiences so it's good to see that the, the the young leadership group of this Montreal Canadiens team is already doing what it needs to do to to welcome these these young these even younger players when they come into the league to make sure the, that they they have that good experience and you know build that type of culture in the in the dressing room
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what you want to see for sure. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously Nick Suzuki, he, he started playing with the Habs at a very young age, 20, I think. So, I mean, he, he, he knows what the pressure is coming in, you know, coming into Montreal at such a young age with high expectations. So yeah, it's uh, you know, and and, I mean, that it's, that's the, the future of the Habs right there. It's going to be that young core, him, Doc, Caulfield, Gouley. Uh, maybe even Moltenbo. Maybe Slavkovsky. <laughs> let's not forget about the first <laughs> overall pick. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's not forget about Slavkovsky. True. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah, looking pretty good. And I mean, like, it... yeah. And I mean, not just that. We also got uh, Riley Kidby uh, who's the uh, Q QMJHL player of the month or forward of the month since he got traded. Twenty-two points in only eight games. So he's uh, he's playing pretty damn good. And and one guy that's not getting that nobody's talking about enough not getting enough love whatsoever is uh habs 2021 fourth rounder left-handed defenseman william trudeau 20 years old playing for the laval rocket he's been by that uh, he, he's the number one defenseman for the rocket right now he's absolutely killing it uh you know i mean surpassing all expectations he's just getting big, bigger or better and better i went to uh, and, and watched the game on wednesday and he yeah you know, he he was one of if not the best players i thought on the ice for the rocket so he's he's been fantastic and what, you know, what a what a great pick in the 4th round. 20 years old, being a solid top defenseman in the AHL. I mean, he's, you know, he he might even get a call up uh, with the Habs at some point this year if he if he ends up getting a contract.
0: I mean, you you'd think there's going to be more call-ups after the trade deadline with uh with uh, with, uh, with the players le- leaving the team. So I mean, hey, the the team is still losing, but there's plenty to be excited about for uh for the future. It's a uh... It's uh, it's it it's pretty obvious. And so let's not forget the top pick we're gonna add at the draft this year it could still be Connor Bedard, guys. It could, it, we have to believe. Even two top picks. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, we need Florida to go on a want go go on another losing streak. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that does it for uh for today's uh episode. Uh, I mean, like we said, there's not gonna be another game for for another week, so we probably won't record. Uh, episode probably till the uh, just before the trade deadline, so we can preview that a little bit. As always, follow us. At the Habs forum on Twitter, uh, if uh, you want to know when the next episode goes live, or sometimes you know Dustin asks you for a cheeky little comment so you can help us with the comments content for the episodes. We always love that. So, as always, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time.